to the Rebel Heart Coaching Podcast, where BSN registered nurse, integrative health practitioner, and board-certified life coach, Samantha Shatek, teaches you how to go beyond managing your circumstances and start intentionally creating a life you love using her proven strategies. Hi there, Rebel Hearts. How are you today? I am super excited because I have someone super special with me on the episode today. I have my amazing in-law, Carrie Henke, and I'm going to give you more of a formal bio, but then I'm going to tell you her. Okay, so Carrie is a seasoned communications professional and personal growth enthusiast. She has a degree in speech communications There is an emphasis there in radio and television, and Carrie spent the first few years after college working as an evening news producer in a small Midwest markets. A move back to the Twin Cities awarded Carrie a chance to change career paths, and she entered the corporate world. As a communications coordinator, Carrie owned her reflective thinking skills and continues to excel in internal communication initiatives public relations strategies, and social media practices. Through a series of business mergers and acquisitions, Carrie's role expanded, and she not only embraced the growth of her company's parameters, but her professional duties and subsequent job titles. Carrie is currently a senior communications manager. Carrie has an awesome inner drive to always try to remain adaptable and flexible in both her personal and professional life. And Carrie's growth mindset is super apparent in many of her activities and passions. Carrie thrives on personal improvement. She takes careful reflective measures as well as taking external feedback to push herself to become a better version of herself each and every day. When Carrie is not working, she loves basking in the sun, a good book, running, and family time, but not necessarily in that order. And I can attest to all of those because Carrie and I have spent many a family vacations and holidays together, and I love Carrie so much. She is my rock as the in-law, and I get to see her at family functions throughout the whole year, so I feel super lucky. And Carrie and I gravitate um, and we end up having these like deep dive conversations a lot, which I really cherish and love. And the reason I invited Carrie on today is I'm currently going through a weight loss journey. For me, that's something uh, been challenging and I really want to nail it. And so I started thinking about all the people in my life who have gone on this journey and not only lost weight, but kept it off and done it so as a life. Um, and, you know, eating the way and behaving the way that they want to live their life, not just as like this, you know, restrictive diet mentality, we're going to restrict and deprive and then you go back. Um, So Carrie, I wanted to invite her on because I think her wisdom is really profound. And I also thought that either you, the listener or someone you might know, maybe going through the same thing, and wanting to provide some wisdom, maybe some inspiration and hope, as well as some practical tools that Carrie might have. So believe me, Carrie's here just as much for me as she might be for you. And I just want to welcome her to the show. Thank you, Carrie, so much for being here. How are you? Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm wonderful. Thank you. That's awesome. So for our listeners, could you just please talk a little bit about your story, about your history, and just let them know what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel like it's a bit of a long one, actually. (laughs) It started a long time ago. (laughs) I was in my terms, right? Like thinking about the way I, I look at me. Nobody ever said this to me or anything, but I was a chubby kid. I wasn't fat, right? I wasn't obese. But I was definitely not skinny, just a little, just a little chunkster. And so I think having that self-image of myself kind of set the scene for always being aware of my weight all through, you know, growing up, early adulthood to current. 
and I was able to grow out of my chunky state, right? Like I shot up some inches and it kind of fell off. I was just kind of in the back of my mind, I guess. And so even though in high school, I slimmed down in college, I kind of felt like probably fit the more typical standard of what I should be for my height and age, but always just kind of in the back of my mind. What does that weight look like? How much do I weigh? Am I chunky? Am I not? Right? And so uh, just always something that I've that I battled with. Sorry to interrupt. I have a question for you. When you say you were kind of like, like a little bit overweight, did that how young did that start? Would you say so? Probably like third grade. I feel like when I look back at pictures, because I don't obviously like remember everything like so clearly. But when I look back at pictures, yeah, second grade school pictures, totally normal. Third grade, I ballooned up like just little chunky cheeks and chunky thighs. And I had a little belly. I, I noticed that though, compared to my classmates, that I did have a belly that I was chunky and chubbier than them. And so I think it just sat with me like it still does. I don't view myself as skinny mini. I still think I have like this self image like in my in my mind that I'm chubby, even though like medically speaking, I'm I'm not. Carrie, what do you do you have a sense? I know we're just kind of diving in, but do you have a sense and if you don't, that's okay of what was there something happen that happened around that time in your life that would have caused that or was there do you feel like in hindsight looking back was there anything like emotional or traumatic happening or hard or no I don't believe so I honestly think it was just like prepubescent like it was just my body doing my body's thing but I do think that the food that we ate at home right like the habits we had at home did not help it at all right? We were very much, I mean, this would have been in the 80s, very much a product of boxed good, like hamburger helper for dinner was pretty standard. And that's not to knock on my mom or my family or anything. That's just what society thought was completely appropriate, right? Like if you have two working parents and they're at work all day and you come home and you need dinner, like that's something that you might gravitate towards. But I don't think that those necessarily set good habits. And then it just exacerbated the fact that I was already a little chubby. Well, and right in like we grew up, we're similar in age and we're like, we were in the like low fat era, you know, fat and like while it had crap ton of like sugar, or it's just like it's in whatever is happening in our family is normalized and also in the eating. I mean, I was eating macaroni and cheese with spam chunks and you know, I'm from Austin, Minnesota, where, you know, home of spam, it's like, <laughs> you know, spam would, to save the war, you know, because it's like, what, 75% fat. So I mean, good times there. But um, <laughs> gross. <laughs> but yeah, so I think collectively, there were just things happening that that were out of my control. And so I just put on a ton of weight as like late elementary. And then in middle school, when everything sucks, middle school in my memory was like, everybody was struggling. It's hard. Like you're going through all these changes and girls can be mean and boys can be rude. And right, like there's like life happening. You're trying to survive. Then in high school, being able to, like I said, naturally, I think I just grew. Like I just I gained some height. And so things like kind of just stretched out, right? Like even evened me out. But even in high school, like I look back at my high school pictures now, I was totally, I was like totally where I should probably have been. And yet I still at that moment, I remember thinking like, oh my God, I'm so fat. Like, oh my God, I have to lose this weight. Always just having that kind of nagging in the back of my head. And so it just kind of followed me along. And the same, same in college, right? Like I probably a little bit, like a few pounds heavier than I am now, right? For what I was, and I was never an athlete. I danced in early, like in elementary through junior high. And in high school, I did dabble in like snowboarding and I played badminton in high school, (laughs) but like not, 
<laughs> That's awesome. That is a sport. Badminton is, is a sport. Is. But it. not like hardcore, right? Like not <laughs> like where I see my kids these days where they're like going to practice five days a week and, you know, tournaments on the weekends. And they're just like, they're living an active lifestyle. I didn't necessarily have that in high school and college. So I guess knowing that, like it could have been worse, like it could have been heavier, bigger, whatever. But I think the real impetus started with like thinking about right. weight loss and where am I going and what am I doing was the birth of my son because all of a sudden then it's like you have all this extra weight right like I mean I think that's pretty average for any pregnancy you gain your weight you have your child and then like it's not so easy to get rid of especially if you're not a person who already has like those good habits in place and so for me I remember thinking like three years my son was three years old I remember this moment so Liam was three years old And I went to visit my friend, Kara, up in Brainerd Lakes area. And we were looking for things to do. And she was like, oh, well, Cross Lake's having a 5K. Should we go do this 5K? And I was like, well, do you want me to die? (laughs) She's like, you can't run three miles. And I was like, I can't run three blocks. Like, no, this is crazy. But it was that moment where I was like, why does that have to be crazy? Why can't I run a 5k? Like when I thought about So Carrie, do you Oh, sorry. Do you think that that moment planted a seed then for oh, you? Oh, for sure. That was a very pivotal moment because that's when I was like, nice. okay, that was like the fall of 2011, would that be right? 2010. Mm. And I remember telling myself, you will run a 5k by next spring. So I started doing the couch to 5k program, which is very calm, like you can find, you know, find that anywhere. But so I did, I, I found a program online and this was old enough. That I didn't have an app for it. So I legit printed off my papers and I knew exactly what I needed to do each week to like get myself from nothing to 5k. And I think it's technically a six week program. I stretched it out to six months. I had no confidence. I was like, I'm going to need all the time in the world. So I did. I just like, I did every step probably three times versus the one time. That June, I ran my first 5K and I haven't stopped. So that was like the beginning of my fitness journey probably. And was that, you said it, was that June of like 2010 or 2011? So I completed my first 5k in June of 2011, which is crazy because then I was like, I was running these 5k's and I was like, Oh, like that felt so amazing. Like I do re I remember crossing the first finish line of my very first 5k and I cried. I was so excited for myself. I was like, you would have thought that was a marathon, but I I went three miles and I was like, look at me. (laughs) But yeah, so I did that. And then I just, I did, I felt so amazing about it and what I could accomplish. And I felt good. I had that runner's high. I was really embracing it. So then I just set a goal like, oh, well, I'm going to do another one. And then I'm going to do another one. And then I'm going to do another one. And so I kind of pinpointed these races through the summer and things were going really, really well, except then I got pregnant with my second child. And so then, and so It was like a good and bad because then I had that though. I had that to like hang on to. And I still remember even like when I was pregnant with my daughter getting out, I ran as late as I could into my pregnancy, probably quit around five months or so just when it was also winter. I didn't like running outside. Then all spring, I picked back up walking, kind of made that part of my routine at work. I'd Mm. go out on my lunch breaks and then, yeah, and then my daughter was born and I just kept walking eventually got back into running. But I think the caveat was like when I had had Reese, I had immediately lost the weight. I didn't have the same experience with my daughter because I think I was already like better fit. So then when she was born, it kind of dropped off a little bit more naturally than it did with my son. But I didn't take into account, and this is all just like my opinion, like I don't like this is just me reflecting on it. I think I had the fitness down. I had like the routine and the rhythm of my walking and my running, but I didn't change anything as far as my food consumption or my alcohol consumption. And so then very slowly, it wasn't like a one day I'm skinny and one day I'm fat, but over the years, I got to the point where my baby 
is like eight years old. And I was like, I'm 20 pounds heavier than when I had her. So very slow weight gain that you don't notice. And I'm sure that's a very common occurrence. So like, so you were saying, even though you were still kind of doing the exercise habits that you were doing before your dog, you just, nothing changed with your food and alcohol. So the weight slowly is what you're saying. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't take a conscientious look at my eating. I just ate what I felt like eating. And if I felt like having that second glass of wine, I did. I didn't consciously think about what's going in versus what's going out, right? And weight loss is all about calories in, calories out. I think I just wasn't paying attention, just slowly works itself into you. I think too, that I never struggled eating fruits and vegetables. That was never like an issue for me, right? Like some people are just like, I hate anything green and I just can't get those vitamins and minerals in me. I was like, no, I was. So I was like eating good food. It was the quantity of the good food, right? It's like you still have to balance all of that out. And so I think what just happened is in my head, I thought, well, I'm eating the right foods. I'm eating my fruits and my vegetables. I'm getting my protein after I run, right? I'm doing all this stuff, but you can still eat too much of a good thing. God. How did you come to that real? Um, did you come to that over time when nothing was working? happened like to get you to that place of even like having this about like, well, I'm eating carrots, but I'm of them. Like, how did you come to that? Through this whole journey, I went from like, you know, running and then I would dabble at this gym and, you know, kind of try this thing out. So through a couple of different gyms that I went to, I finally found Orange Theory Fitness, which is like a hit gym, right? Like, I mean, it's very like high intense, but it gives you your cardio, which I was already like very naturally used to just from my years of running, but it built in the strength training. So I had been doing that, I want to say maybe 18 months, and I physically felt so strong and so good. And yet when I looked in the mirror, like nobody can tell how good I feel on the inside because I'm covered on the outside, right? I was like, I've got this layer of fat covering all this good stuff I'm doing to my body. And it was kind of that moment where I was like, get your shit together, Carrie. If you're going to work out this hard at the gym, and if you're going to push yourself and you're going to set these goals and you're going to like try to be this better, stronger person, why wouldn't I do that too for my food intake? Why wouldn't I be more careful about what I'm putting in my body if I'm as careful as I, you know, am with what I do with my body? So I kind of had that, that mindset shift of why work out so hard if, if I can't tell. And so then that's really what made me say, get your act together. Let's get this weight off and see what you got. So would you say that like prior to doing, we were eating food in quantities that you were eating just because it was a habit or was it more like emotionally eating or a little bit like what, what kind of habits were on? Was it just like a lack of, a, was it actually, would you say like stress eating or emotional eating? Cause you're bored or tired or lonely or, you know, all the things. I think it kind of all does play into each other. I can't say that I'm an emotional eater I actually tend to be, if I'm super upset, I'll actually start to feel like sick to my stomach, like to the point where like, if I'm really mad or hurt about something emotionally, I tend to be like, oh, now I just feel ill and I, I can't even eat that. That's not to say that, you know, if I'm, we used to do these family dinners with my extended family every week and it's good food. And there's wine and there's dessert and it's just all the good things and you kind of get wrapped up in it. So then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I guess I did have two helpings of the pasta tonight that I probably didn't really need. And so I think those little (laughs) things kind of eke in. Oh, and then just bad habits. I do think a lot of it is just you get into the rhythm of this is how I fill my plate up every single night. So this is how I fill my plate up every single night. And you eat it even if you're not realizing that. I got full half a plate to go because you're just like going through the motions. Yeah. What I'm curious, I know some of this, but I'm curious, helped you on this most recent leg of your journey where you became more mindful 
food, um, like what things helped you. And um, the second part to that question being, and this is with like, even if that you should, that you're full or that you don't like, what do you do with your thoughts and emotions instead? If you're still finding that you want, like, so just talking about what has helped you, I know there was an, um, like, are there you did to like distract or with like maybe the cravings or the emotions around some of that? Yeah, absolutely. When I finally made the decision, this got to go, I had been seeing advertisements for the Noom app. And so I thought I can get a three month subscription for about the same price that I pay for my gym membership for one month. I was like, mm, I think this might be worth it, right? Like I, I can afford this. I can do this. If I can justify this, I can justify this. So I did invest in the Noom app. I signed up for the first three months and it honestly, it worked for me. I know that, you know, everybody is different and certain things might work for some and other things for others, but that worked for me because I will admit, I have never liked the word diet. I've never liked to be on a diet because I am the personality that says, you can't have chocolate. And then that's the only thing I want to eat. And I will literally go binge on it because I'll be like, I can't have any chocolate. That's all I want. And then I think that that's all I want. And so then I end up eating it to try to satisfy that craving. When really, if they had totally. said, like, eat the chocolate, I'd probably would have been like, well, sure, I'll have like, you know, a little bit. Right. So like, I kind of have that mindset of like, if you take it away, that's totally. all I want. Same with wine. If you say that I have to go on a diet with no alcohol, like I've never done dry January in my life. I'm like, that sounds terrible. Like I want to drink my wine. So yeah, for me, it was less about don't take anything yeah. away. Teach me or like I need to learn how to have all the things, but in a really good yeah, balance right. and moderation so that I never feel deprived. And that's what that program did for me. Honestly, it is a reset. I think even in their ads, they talk a lot about like the psychology of eating and the psychology of why. And it really does dive into that. And it didn't take a lot of time, right? Like it was literally five to 10 minutes a day. And it just worked with my schedule. I dove into that. Part of the program is the calorie counting, starting to measure, being mindful of like what types of food you're eating, how much. Yeah. But along with that is like this series of questions that makes you really stop and think. And I think that's the psychology of it. It changes the way that you are approaching food. So for example, you, you would ask, how do you handle some of those cravings? <laughs> and this still happens. Like, I'm not saying I'm an expert. Well, you're, you're still human. Exactly. You're still human and you're going to have cravings, but. Yes. And yeah. I think that's what's important for people to understand though, too, when they want to jump into that weight loss journey is that it is not a fix. It's not like you're fat one day, you're skinny the next, and then you keep going. It's like, it is a journey. It is an everyday choice that I'm going to make these good decisions for myself. And so you do really have to retrain your brain to think about some of these patterns. And so one of the things that I did find was in the evenings, naturally, like you're sitting, you're watching your show, everything's quiet, at least in my house. Like I, you know, I schlep everybody off to bed and then I'm like, me time. And I sit and I have my show. And then I would notice that like, I think I'm hungry. Like I kind of feel like I want a snack. The program would make me stop myself and be like, are you actually hungry? So now I have this little mantra that I run in my head at the end of the night, sitting there watching my show. And I'll be like, are you actually hungry, Carrie? You're probably not hungry. You're probably thirsty or bored. So then I'll go and I'll be like, if you think you need something in your belly, go get some water or maybe some hot tea. I'll try to like navigate it that way. But a lot of times it's honestly that I've just been sitting there for too long and I'm bored. And if I get up, maybe I use the bathroom. Who knows if, if I even sure. have to go, right? But I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I'll get up and move a little bit. Go check on the kids. Go check on the dogs. You know, maybe there's something in the kitchen I pick up. But I do it. And then I can go back, sit down, finish my show. And I feel way more satisfied. I do think a lot of times I'm just sitting there like, and I got bored. And it's weird to say that because you're like enjoying your quiet time watching your show. But I think that's what happens, at least for me. In my body, it's like move. Like you're tired of just sitting here. And I do tend to be a little bit of a busybody. That you're there's so many gems and nuggets that you've been saying. Um, so I just want to kind of go back to 
do you, the, the main part of weight loss is actually mental. Do you think that's like first and foremost, like one of the most important parts is like the mental and emotional portion, especially with, with other, like, I know other weight loss coaches that I've listened to is like, you know, who we're becoming on the inside is the point because we're changing our habits and our awareness. Would you find that? Yeah. 100%. I think it was way more mental for me than physical. Now, I think there's two mental things, though. I think that there's a side that's dealing with setting the right habits, getting to know yourself, recognizing some of your cues. Because I even do this, like if I'm at the dinner table, I'll take a bigger breath. I realize like I'm trying to make space for this food. If I need to take a bigger breath to make space for this food, I'm done. I can just be done with this. So one is the mental cues starting to recognize, but there is a mental side of you might actually learn the differences of the quality of your food. Because I do think some people just might not understand that side of it too. Or could be even a different case where it's like they know that the fruits and vegetables are good for them. Maybe they don't like the fruits and vegetables that are super common and are available. Training yourself to find the other good food for you then. Learning what else is out there. Okay, so maybe you don't like finding those things. So I think that there's kind of two parts of the mental side of it. One is literally like figuring out you. And then the other for some people could very well just be, (laughs) you can't eat that much bread and lose weight. Different things do different things for your body. Yeah. So there's, there could be two sides depending on your knowledge. So I heard you also, I want to touch something. So like when you're out like, and you would like be show and you like have me time. Mm-hmm. So I heard two things to that. And I think this is interesting and I want to see what you think. About. So I, th- I heard that the first part is this, that you had to check in to say like, am I actually physically hungry or is this just something else? So I think what I'm the first part is you have to create like an awareness, right? To stop that habit loop. But the second part that I heard is that you kind of changed positions yeah. and basically essentially allowed more time and space to let the urge or the craving pass. And you did other things like drink water or then like, basically to me, it was almost like you trying to put some space in between in the like pulse to eat. And then would you find Carrie that it would just, or do you think it was the time going by or it was about that, did you actually say something different to yourself? I'm curious about that exact moment. So I think that when I go through that mantra, it happens at multiple times of the day. It's not always just in the evening. Because also, another prime example yeah. is I'll get home right. and I do tend to work out over my lunch hour. Like that's my, that's my key time. So when I come home, I need to eat. Yeah. I come home and I feel like I am starving. And so I want to make these very big, hearty lunches. And then what I learned through this process is I don't need as much as I thought. And so now a common thing that happens is I'll come home and I often think, I'll be like running on the treadmill and then I'll often think about like, ooh, what's my lunch going to be? Kind of gets me through the rhythm of the running, but also kind of puts a good plan in place for when I get home. But yeah, so when I get home, I typically know like this is what I plan to eat. But I also typically over plan what I'm going to eat. And so I'll start to put it together and I'll be like, you don't actually need this part of it. Let's start with this. And then I'll go eat it and I'll tell myself, if you're done, give yourself 20 minutes and make sure you drink some water. And if you're still Mm. hungry, you know, go back and have that as your afternoon snack. So I do think the space helps. And I don't even know where I heard that from or how that came about, but there is something about 20 minutes give yourself 20 minutes. Yeah. I don't know if that was a noon thing or something I've heard sure. long before. But yeah, so I'll often tell myself like 20 minutes. But I tell that to my kids too. I'll be like, you just had a snack. If you think you're still hungry, you wait 20 minutes, have some water. And then if you're still hungry, we'll reconsider. But I think that's just good anyhow. Well, what's interesting about waiting 20 minutes is that if you're truly hungry, you have time for your body to let you know that. But if it's a craving or an urge, it most likely will pass by then and your brain will hopefully be onto something else. And so that's it. Yep. Yep. I was just going to say something else to think about with those cravings. And this is yeah. something else I learned from Noom. 
to really try to figure out if you're sitting there and you're like, oh my gosh, it's nine o'clock at night and I really feel like I need to eat. I'm having this craving. What is it that you are actually craving? Because you can also over consume your calories by telling yourself, okay, I am hungry and dang it, I'm craving those cheese and crackers, but I'm going to go eat the cucumbers because the cucumbers are healthy. So I'm going to go eat my cucumbers. So you go and you eat your cucumbers. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, you're like, I still really want those cheese and crackers. If the cheese and the crackers are what you really want, if that is the craving that's going to be satisfied by eating it, go eat that, right? Like make your little few cheese and crackers, eat it and be satisfied. Don't go try to eat all this other stuff to cover up for if you really know that that's what you want, because you're just going to end up eating too much, right? You're going to overeat when you're trying to do something good for yourself. But if you really want the cheese and crackers, eat the cheese and crackers. Well, and so this brings, I know, like, to be honest, it weight loss and the food industry is so confusing. And I think it's confusing on purpose because, you know, everybody wants to sell you a diet or a pill or anything of, I don't think those things are necessarily bad, but it's. So what's interesting is I'm just curious because what Mm -hmm. you, so, and this is tying into something that you said earlier, that there's really not any judgment around food. It's more about what makes your body feel good. And are you listening? You know, some people are sensitive to gluten or dairy, but at the same time, what I heard you say earlier and what I've been hearing this theme about this, uh, like, it's better to have a little bit of something that you want so that you don't feel restricted and binge it later. That really like no food for you, I'm just assuming it sounds like has been off limits unless it doesn't like physically make you feel good or you that kind of what that you, there's no food, there's no bad food, it's just food that could be better, but eat anything that you want to eat, but in moderation. Is that right? That is very much correct. Yes. I will allow myself my glass of wine. I will allow myself the scoop of ice cream. It's learning though that like all I need is the scoop. I don't need three. You just need that little bit to say like, okay, I got it. I'm good now. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's off the table for me. And so if you had to say the biggest thing that's changed, mental, your mind, but so you basically if I'm hearing you right, you're just eating less food so that you're listening more to your hunger cues and when you're full. Exactly. That And that's honestly, though, it is the hardest part, right? It's like, it's like why they ask you to track your calories so that you can start to see. If you first sat down, I still do this. Like I said earlier, I could sit down and think like, I need all of this food. And then when you actually get down to it, you're like, oh, but half of that fills me up. It's very much a, an awareness of how much of this fills you up. How many calories mm. is that worth? And to be honest, after my initial weight loss, I stopped worrying about the calorie count because after doing it for so many months, I kind of knew that, you know, like a, a little handful of blueberries was a good amount for me. Or I knew that like, I didn't need to make an entire sandwich. I can make a half consider two pieces of bread, meat and cheese. I can actually use one piece of bread, meat and cheese. Like that's satisfying to me. So there's ways to cut some of those calories out in the beginning to have your weight loss. But then by the time you get to the point, at least this happened for me, by the time I got to the point where I was like, I don't have to lose more weight. I just need to sustain the weight I've lost and like stay here. By that time, I kind of knew what portion sizes looked like. I don't need more than say seven to eight florets of broccoli, that that would be a good serving size. That's about a cup of broccoli. So I just kind of got to the point where I knew how much to fill up on. But that is a very big part of the retraining process. I love it. So now you don't, it sounds like you don't. um, What I'm curious what you do though, like if you're traveling or on vacations, because I think that that's like, they want to like not feel restricted. They want to have all the food. Again, how do you like with still, you know, either maintaining or losing your weight? So I think that going on vacation, eating out at a restaurant and going to parties are all kind of in the same group. Everybody is human. I am still human too. Like I still mess up. I will still completely overeat, come home, feel miserable about myself. But the great thing is giving yourself grace to know that I have tomorrow is really helpful. 
to know that I may be messed up today, but today is not every day after today. And I can do better things tomorrow. Because I also think you learn that it just feels better to feel better, right? Like to not make those terrible decisions. I still mess up a little bit, but here's my general guidelines. If I'm going to a party, at least the parties I go to, it seems like the food's just all out and you can just like stand around and munch on it all day long. I will still try to take my plate. I will put my veggies on there first and then I will fill it in with the other little things and then I will go sit down and I will eat it and I will be like, don't go back to the table. Just sit here. Enjoy the company. Enjoy the drink. Enjoy the surroundings. You don't have to go eat more food to enjoy the party. And I think there's also this mentality, at least I think I had a little bit of like a scarcity mentality as a kid. I always wanted the biggest piece. I always wanted the most. I don't know where that came from because we were never for want. I see it gurgling up every once in a while as an adult. And that reminder that if the really good food is gone, it's going right. to be okay, Carrie, because you'll never be hungry. You have the means to feed yourself. You will find something else. And if it's not there anymore, then it just wasn't meant to be. There's no reason I had to be the last one to eat it or that I had to be the one, right? To get the biggest piece. It's okay. Move on. <laughs> that's like the smallest thing that's probably going to happen in your life today that you missed out on the last brownie. You know, I, I kind of want you know, I think some people are in a situation in childhood, unfortunately, where maybe food was scarce. That's, you know, an explanation to why someone might have that mindset. But also, when you were talking, what was coming up is this, like, our brains are really primitive in the sense that they are still programmed from the time when we were cave people, had to like, get as many calories as you could, because you really don't know when you're if I know that you're you didn't have a problem in your family with lack of food, but what about like this mm-hmm. feeling that we might all some of us innately or that like we need to grab onto the calories because we don't need and that's like I feel like we're still programmed that way we're with weight loss against kind of we were primed to survive like harsh I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah. And I don't have a great answer to that. But I think that for somebody who's feeling that, finding the mantra that works for you, and I go back to those, right? Like I said earlier, like, I mean, I have my one before, if I feel like I have an urge. And and so, you know, finding something that can speak to you to maybe make you just feel better about it. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a, a, a great answer. I just know kind of what works for me and telling myself, you'll still have breakfast tomorrow. It's okay. The other thing that I heard you say um, that I kind of want to see, you know, when food, um, it feels really comforting and it gives us hits of those feel good hormones. Like we get a hit of dopamine if we have chocolate, right? Or, um, diet Coke and cigarettes. cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally an inside totally. joke. I don't even know if we should explain it on the pod. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm like, so when you have this... <laughs> When I have my Diet Coke. <laughs> when we have hits of like foods that are especially so highly concentrated now in our society, we get hits of dopamine and it feels really cake. So I love food. I feel like it's really pleasurable. But I heard this once someone say this and I feel like you said but like, you know, like when you have family time or when we're out to eat, it's like you're just excited about the food and the alcohol. But if we're getting all of our joy and comfort um, and our dopamine, then that means we're not getting it as much. So it's like, how can we make life that we look forward to where there's other things that create joy and dopamine hits? And yeah. we know from science that things cause, you know, hits of dopamine are healthy or like things like accomplishing like running a 5k or setting up races for your know, um, just accomplishing little tasks. So it's interesting because I think as much as I love food too, Mm -hmm. I like the having not relying on food to create our joy and comfort and having our life be so exciting that we don't really need the food for that. And that we're using food more as fuel and less as comfort and joy. And I know some people hate me right now for saying that. So I think that there's a big societal 
I don't even know where this started, but there's the trend that when you gather with friends, you gather to eat. And so I do think that in those instances, yeah, there's a really good opportunity to look at that less about the food bringing you the joy and the company. And especially coming off of COVID when everybody had to be quarantined and can't see anybody, I crave the opportunity to be with my friends. I don't take that for granted anymore. Family as well. And so on those family dinners, it's retraining my brain to be like, you're not here for the food. You're here because you have really good company in your mom and your sisters and your nieces and your nephew. Take that in. So be here for that part of it. The food is secondary. That's because we need to sustain our bodies. And then I also think, and I have done this with a couple of my friends, we've shifted from, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Let's go get drinks or let's go get coffee or let's go get food to, hey, why don't we go take a walk? Right. So we get together, we have that connectivity with each other, but it's taking the idea that we need to have food and that the food is what fuels us. And it goes back to being like, this is actually because of the company that I keep. Totally. I love that. Yeah. Just being and making, making food, not the highlight, but the secondary thing. I really that. Yeah. Something I wanted to go back to, and I apologize because I kind of segued us unintentionally, but you had asked about eating out at restaurants and on vacation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I don't know if this is so much to do with weight loss and eating right goals or if I'm just really, really frugal, (laughs) but on vacations, my husband and I will split meals because, well, generally... No, that's so smart. So if we're in a VRBO setting where we have a kitchen... We will just function as status quo as we're at home. And at home, I will tell you, I am a meal prepper. I don't like cook everything up front, but every week I make my meal from Sunday to Saturday. I know exactly what I'm eating on what days. I go grocery shopping once. I get everything that I need and I know what's happening. So on a vacation with the... Carrie, sorry, can I interrupt you? Yeah. Do you eat the same food as your family or do you cook things separately typically? We all eat the same food. I decided that from the beginning that I was like, no, this is not a diet for mom because mom's fat. I was like, this is a lifestyle and we're all going to eat healthy, good food. That's not to say, though, that sometimes we don't eat processed food because we are also an active family who sometimes has, you know, 38 minutes to eat. So, yes, we build things in. It's just (laughs) that it all comes back to that moderation and balance. And it's like if I know that we have to have spaghetti tonight, I'm probably going to stay away from carbs at breakfast and lunch. It's just knowing how to like find that flow so that it's a balance and you're not overdoing one type of food over another. But yeah, so then on vacations, if we have the VRBO style, it's just kind of like we eat like we're at home. We make our meals. Um, But if we're going out to eat, I don't know if it's just because I'm really cheap and I'm like, well, what are we going to do with the leftovers? If we both have leftovers, we know nobody's going to eat them. So we've just gotten in the habit that we'll split a meal. And so then that's what we do. And then with eating out when we're at home, I learned this from Noom and I still do it. And I think it's a great idea. Most of the time I can do it. Sometimes I cannot. If you know in advance where you're going, I will look at their menu online. And I will kind of do this compare thing of like what does have maybe the least amount of calories, because let's be honest, restaurants typically are higher than what the food you would make at home is. So I would go and look to see, okay, what are my options? And this was more during my weight loss period than it is now. Like I'll still go and look to see what's out there. But the big thing is choosing for yourself what you feel like you want to eat. What's going to satisfy you that day? Because I'm sure this has happened to a lot of us where you're like, okay, I need some greens. I'm going to go and I'm going to order the salad. But then the friend next to you gets the burger and fries and you're like, but that looks better than what I just was going to order. So then you order that. Whereas if you go and you know, like, this is what I need for my body today. This is what I'm going to get. I feel like I have that plan and I can keep my plan. I can go and I know this is what I'm getting. And like other people's decisions don't sway me. But I also cut all my meals in half from the get-go. Okay. So do you, when you're at home, do you, you cut it in half and make sure that you do it to go? Especially if it's like burgers and fries, because there's no way that I would need 2000 calories at one meal. And I feel like those are very heavy calorie wise. 
And so I would, I would just cut it in half and I would push half to the side, push half my fries over. I'd let myself eat the one half. The other stuff will come home. And again, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, right? Uh, kind of complicated because it sounds like your fitness journey started like son, And then, you know, it, it kept going with daughter was born. The time that you started, I would say the food journey, like how much weight have you lost total? Like ebbs and flows, and this is normal, especially with like our cycles. Like weight have you lost or released? I like the word released. I have released 20 pounds from when I started to where I am today. I feel like that's more than that. And like you said, it ebbs and flows, right? Like some weeks I'm higher, some days I'm lower. And carry pounds in, in retrospect, it's a lot probably for you. And it, it's hard to lose like 50 or 80 or 100. You're a lot closer to your goal weight. Do you find that those pounds were actually almost felt harder to come off in some ways because you were maybe a little closer to where yeah, you wanted so it's to be? Yeah, so interesting because at the very beginning when I started using Noom, it was a little frustrating. What was hard was giving myself time to accept that it takes time. So I would say like the first four to five weeks, I'm counting my calories, I'm watching my food, I'm getting my fruits and my vegetables, I'm limiting my carbs. And to say limiting, I never cut them out. I struggle with that still. I only bring it up because I know some people will be like, oh, carbs are bad. I'm like, actually, they're not. They're actually vital. (laughs) Like you should eat carbs. Right. Well, and I think it's misleading to say carbs because like, yeah, like really healthy for you, like vegetables, like root vegetables yeah, like have carbs. Yep. Right. Yep. Like, I know they carbs, but I think what we really mean is like yes. and sugar yes. is what. We- and we were already eating whole wheat bread. And so some of those changes I didn't have to make again, it was like I was eating the right stuff. I was eating too much of the right stuff. So what I changed was the amount that I had to eat that I got to eat. But yeah, so like when it started, you know, it took me like five weeks to get into this habit of counting my calories and finding the right foods and kind of like the the flow that worked for me and nothing was happening. And I was like, this is so irritating because I'm working so hard, but hard things take time sometimes. And so Finally, when I lost that first pound, though, what was crazy was that like how easy it came after that, right? So you do, you have to give yourself grace and time to accept that this is going to take a little bit of time, get into your habits, find your new rhythms and routines, because I felt like it did take a good month, month and a half, maybe to start losing it. But then once I figured it out, once I kind of found like, oh, that is all I need to eat. It came off relatively quickly. The last five pounds were probably the hardest and they are still the ones though that I fluctuate on. Even after my birthday week, I was like, oh, I was like up five pounds for like two weeks. I was like, what the hell? (laughs) But but it's just, you know, there's celebrations and things going on and you get to the point where you're like, yeah, I'm really, I'm not okay with having those extra pounds. Let's, you know, put yourself in check. So I was just a little bit more cautious of what I was doing those next few weeks. I think you bring up a good point too. Fair to say that when you're starting your weight loss journey or just in general on your weight, there is this element of meaning before you can see the physical result, you just have to trust that it's working. Kind of like, you know, you plant a seed, you can't see the flower, you just trust that it's growing. Um, that's where a lot of people get frustrated and don't see results and kind of doubt the process. That that's an important thing that you brought up is just of having grace with yourself, not beating yourself up and keep going, right? Because I think so many people don't see the results like they feel like they're working so hard and making all these sacrifices and don't really see it and then just kind of give up because they're like, what's the point? Yes. So I think that's a, you're speaking to something that can be a barrier for people. Absolutely. For sure. It's like that quote, all good things come to those who wait. It will catch up with you. If you change your habits, change your mind, you will eventually see a change, but you do, you have to give it time. Right. I love that. Just have you noticed, like, what is different about you? Like, your mindset is different. Have you noticed, like, holistically in other parts of your life, uh, this journey as a whole? I mean, like, obviously, physically, like, my pants fit again. I didn't have to go buy new jeans. (laughs) Like, that's always a bonus. But um, 
But no, I think overall, sure. sure, there's definitely a bit more confidence. Like I just feel better. I think about what like I'm presenting to the world. This might sound a little conceited, but I think I like the way I look better in pictures. <laughs> but I also think the bigger thing for me is the example I'm setting, especially because I have young children. And the example that I'm setting, this is actually a lifestyle to be healthy, to eat healthy, to eat right, to eat the right amounts, but to also work out to treat your body well. There's this quote that I heard recently that kind of resonated with me. And it's more on the fitness side than the weight loss side. But it said, don't go to the gym because you don't like your body. Go because you love your body. And I thought, well, isn't that the truth? You shouldn't think, you know, I got a saggy butt or my arms are flabby. I got to go to the gym. It should be, I have legs that power me. I have arms that help me. Like, I'm going to go to the gym to, like, use them, to, like, embrace what I've been given. And I think that the same can be said for food because I've often said to my kids and myself, fuel your body, don't fill your belly. They're two very different things. To eat because you're hungry and shoving some food in your mouth, if you're really going to do right by yourself, eat the thing that's healthy for you. Eat the thing that's actually going to help you. Eat the vegetable. Eat the fruit. Fuel your body. Don't fill your belly. Do all these actions, but we can have two different intentions about it. So it's like two sides of the same coin, like going to the gym because you hate your body is a different energy. And can restrict and deprive themselves into thinness it feels horrible beating the heck out of yourself and is that really sustainable it's like what I love about what you're saying and about what Noom kind of teaches and things that I've heard from boss coaches is like be eating and doing what's sustainable the way you want to live your life not as a temporary fix but as a long-term mindset which is what you're saying that bleeds into another issue. And I think our brains are set up and our society is that all want immediate gratification because now we live in a world where we can on one click order Amazon or get a drink and we have the ability to get things immediately. Whereas like people from a generation or two ago wait for everything, like anything we want, like super. So then when we have to harness these skills of delayed gratification, our brains are now literally being trained even more out of that, whatever our conditioning may or may not be, of wanting that immediate gratification or our genetics or our family, you know, whatever we taught ever was conditioned into us from our families of origin, not to mention Mm -hmm. our ancestors, but then now we have this technology and all of this modern convenience, but then to lose weight, we have to have that opposite mindset. And frankly, for other things we want, like if we want to save money or get out of debt, we have to lay gratification now for something in the future. But I really think that people's brains are being programmed out of that because of the immediacy of everything. And so that's really, I see as like another challenge too, is I'm going to just deprive myself and restrict and lose weight, but then you're going to just gain it back because you're not really in it for the long term and you're, it's not really sustainable mentally or physically. I don't know. That's just my little soapbox No, and I there. agree because I think a lot of those gimmicks, that's what's the problem. It can give you the quick response that you want. You can see that happen right away, but you can't sustain it because once the gimmick goes away, once you stop taking the pill, once you stop drinking the drink, like you haven't changed your mindset to approach the way that you eat to keep that off. Yeah. You've crushed a lot of your goals, but I'm curious, what are some of your goals as far as for your fitness or do you have, because I know that you run races a lot, like that's your jam. I'm wondering if you have any races coming up or like new goals that you've set for yourself, whether it's weight loss or fitness or not, just kind of curious where that bar is, because I know you're kind of like Mm -hmm. a go-getter. So just curious about your current goals. I have a hard time sitting still. Um, I also find that I work really well (laughs) when I do have a goal and I make a plan. I'm very much like a make a plan, work the plan 
type person. So I don't have any huge races this year. So I did do a half marathon back in 2021. So then last year, I kind of told myself I was a lot of stress on my body. It was a great experience, but it was a lot of hard work. And so last year I said, just make sure, you know, you're going to the gym. I go four days a week. I usually will get out two days with the dogs or by myself, whichever, and a day off, day of rest. And last year I said I needed to walk seven miles outside a week. It could be a mile a day. I could do all seven in one day if my schedule was too crazy, right? I needed to give myself that flexibility because we are, you know, we are a busy family. But it worked really, really well for me because I felt like it was a really good balance from going to the gym and having this type of instruction to just allowing myself the fresh air and the freedom to either walk or run. It didn't have to be high intensity. It could be very casual. But I found that I really like that pattern, I guess. And so I'm keeping that this year. So it's seven miles outside. The the miles at the gym don't count seven miles outside um, every week. So by the end of the year, I should have 365 miles outside. And that is mostly because then in 2024, I'm going to train for another half. So I'm kind of giving myself my breathing room so that I can gear up. Half marathon um, in cities, or are you going to do it? You're going to love this because it was actually something that we talked about briefly at one of our family gatherings. I'm going to do the Joshua tree. Yay! I love Joshua Tree. Oh my God, that's so amazing. Yes. Hell yeah. yeah. So I remember because I've had it on my bucket list for a long time. And then you went there and we were talking about it. And I was just like, you got to do it, Carrie. And I knew that they had a race and the timing works perfectly for my schedule. So I was just like, I'm going to do it. I just didn't work out this year. But that's why I was like, so that's. 2024. That's amazing. Joshua Tree 2024. I'm here for it. Oh my God, that's exciting. So when are you going to start to train for that? I will probably start not until like a year from now. It'll be a while, but that's why I was like, well, if I can just keep doing my outside goals this year, it'll keep me moving, keep me active. And of course I'll go to the gym. I love my gym. And then yeah, after the start of 2024, I can kind of kick it into higher gear. But I'll start slow. It's a November race. So I have plenty of time. I could talk to you for like another hour, but we should probably wrap up pretty soon. But I just wanted to ask you a couple more questions. So I kind of want to know, like, keeps you inspired and motivated, especially, you know, on those days where you maybe haven't slept well, or you just had like a really busy and stressful day. And you're just like, I don't want to deep. Why? reason for doing it and what like you say to yourself at this point you're probably just programmed to do the thing about those days where you like have much wine and you're just like I, I'm not feeling it or shittiest day like you navigate like balance between like listening to what your body needs listen to our bodies but if we follow our feelings too much we might not ever feel like doing anything that we don't want to do. So how do you navigate that balance between like, what is your actual like body or truth saying to you? And when is it time to rest versus when do you just push through and stick to your, I definitely have that. days where I'm, I don't want to adult, right? Like, and it's been worse this year. I'll be honest. Like the last couple of months, I was like, God, what is happening? Cause I just, I feel, I, I don't <laughs> always feel motivated, but I'm really good at listening to my body when I am sick. I will say that. If I am like down and out, I'm like, you need to give yourself time, Carrie. You're like, you can't continue to push yourself and feel good. So if I'm actually sick, I will give myself those days of rest. If it's mental where I'm just like, but I don't want to, <laughs> it's actually quite easy. I tell myself, go, but don't do anything hard. Like if you get to the gym, That's like the main step, getting to the gym. And then I'll usually sit down. I'll be like, I don't really want to do this. And I'll kind of start rowing and I'll just kind of take it really easy. (laughs) And some days I take it easy the entire class, never break a sweat, never, you know, never really get my heart rate up. And that's fine because I still went, I moved my body. I stepped away from the computer and coming home, I can usually feel better for just having gotten there. And then other days, more often than not, what happens is I'll say, okay, you don't have to work very hard today, but you still need to go. And then I'll get there and I'm just like, while I'm here, I might as well freaking do it. 
and then I have like a really good workout. And so it's not a great answer, but I also think it's the gym that I go to because Orange Theory, you have to reserve your spot. And so I have to have it on the calendar. It's not like a gym where I can just choose my own. The class starts at a specific time. You have to register in advance. If you register in advance and you don't go, they will charge you. And like I said before, I am frugal. If I am paying you to go to the gym, I'm not going to pay you to not go to the gym, right? So I sign myself up and I go such a brilliant business plan for them. And actually, it's probably like a huge accountability motivator for folks that go there because you don't want to lose your money. You're like, like really commit to a time instead of just being like nonchalant about it. That's pretty awesome. This is the longest I've ever been at one gym. And I'm pretty sure it's because of this. It holds me accountable, especially in the workday. I can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to finish this up. And then one thing leads into another. I'm like, I have to go. I will be late for class, right? So it's very much a hard stop. I go and get my stuff done. To answer your other question, though, which I think was a little bit deeper in like what truly motivates me, like what keeps me going like internally, I think as hokey as this sounds, and it'll probably sound very, very cheesy, but the idea that I have one life, I want to make the most of it. I want to do the best I can do. I want to be the best I can be. And I need to do that for me first and foremost. But then I think the the secondary, and I said it before too, but is a being a good role model for totally. my kids so that they can grow up saying, this is important. This is an important part of life, whether it's for your heart health, your mental health, your physical health, these all add up and I shouldn't not do any of them, right? Like I want my kids to see that like that's totally. a normal part of life to treat your body well and to be the best you can be. Carrie, I know that this is a, a could be a tender subject, but isn't it true too that like your initial like little seed was your friend asking if you wanted to run a 5k and you were like, hell no. Right. Like that was the initial seed. And then you said like the next little seed was like having that like little bit of baby weight after your son was born. But wasn't there a time to, I swear I remember you saying that this was kind of a catalyst is when your dad passed that you were on a mission to try to be heart healthy. And I even think I remember you coining it fit as shit. Is that right? (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Yes. So sadly, my dad passed of a cardiac arrest after having some pretty bad bout of heart disease. And, you know, witnessing that I was like, man, like, there's a lot of stuff he could have done to have been healthier. And like, I don't want to die young. I want to see my kids get old, like I want to be old. And so that was definitely a third and the most recent, but you know, by far reason to keep going. And so yes, I continue to do that because I'm like, even just walking daily is good heart health, right? Like it's a good cardiovascular exercise. So it doesn't mm. take so much. And so yes, definitely the like eating right, working out is also um, a bit of a tribute to my dad. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I just remember you saying that. And I thought that's so cool that you're taking that situation and using it to fuel you in a really positive way to inspire you. Before we wrap up, what I want to know is, let's say someone's listening right now, and they're maybe a version of you like a few years back, or that version of you when you couldn't even imagine even fathoming running a 5k that sounded crazy to you. And now you run them like in your sleep. So what would you want to know, like if someone's either starting this journey or if they've tried to start it and kind of been unsuccessful for one reason or another, there are one or two bits of you would give that's like you feel like the most important thing that you've gleaned from your journey or that you've experienced that you could tell someone to help inspire them. Yeah. What would I that think be? It's probably what we kind of covered it a little bit earlier, but I think it's two things. One, recognizing what you need. It's okay to listen to people and hear what, you know, worked for them or whatever, but really asking yourself the hard questions. Why do I need to do this? What can I do differently that's good for me? And then giving yourself time. You have to give it time. And I think too, the grace part, we are all human. There's no such thing as perfection. There's only progress. 
And so if you can say, you know, maybe today I didn't do a great job, but tomorrow I've got tomorrow and I can do better tomorrow. So definitely knowing your why, giving yourself time and, and grace. Hmm. I know. I think that there's so much we try in life and we're so quick to be our own harsh critic or beat ourselves up and it just kind of stops our progress. So I think that's great advice. Any last words, Carrie, for anyone listening? I'm hearing that you are saying, be gracious with yourself, give yourself time and anything else. Well, I'm a bit of a quote person. And I just actually heard this quote on Sunday, and I might slaughter it a little bit, but it said, don't be afraid of the space between your dreams and reality. Don't be scared of what's in the middle. It might be hard, might be annoying, (laughs) you might want to give up, but I think that that's the space that really counts. And I think that you should at least try. Oh, I love that. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story. I know it's vulnerable to talk about, but I'm just so inspired by you truly. And I'm just grateful for your presence in my life. And I don't know what I'd do without you at family gatherings. I just feel so connected and I love the family. Don't get me wrong, but I just love our deep conversations. And thank you for being here and being authentic and and really playing full out with me on this episode. I appreciate you. And uh, I know we'll talk again in person soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was a joy. And hey, I also want to invite you to join me for my six month coaching program. I'll work with just you one on one, and I'm going to help you get the results that I know you can get. I promise your life will be different. Go to www.rebelheartcoaching.com to sign up for a consult today. I'll see you inside.